Welcome to the business of being well. If you're a hands-on practitioner who wants to grow a profitable business without working your life away, you're in the right place. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I am bringing you a new guest to the show today, and I'm I'm going to let this person introduce themselves and tell you more about who they are and what they do. I'm excited, but I just want to let them dive in. So, <laughs> so let's just go ahead and do that. Okay. Hey, everyone. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. My name is Netta. I also go by Netta, the official on my social media. I'm an empath coach by day. I'm a businesswoman and I basically help empaths and highly sensitive people find ways and strategies to protect their energy because they feel overwhelmed in their social, personal, or business lives. And we develop strategies so that they don't get overwhelmed and so that they can actually turn their, you know, their empathy, which I call their kryptonite, into their superpower. Because a lot of times they feel like their empathy is their burden. It doesn't have to be their burden burden. Um, empathy is a high form of social intelligence, and you can use that to not only increase your personal life by getting to understand your partners or deepening your connections, but you can also use it in your business life because empathy is like a top skill for sales, right? So um, we're just destigmatizing what it means to be an empath to let people know that it's actually your gift. Um, and then by night, I am a manager at a mental health treatment center. I manage a team of clinical assistants who work with therapists and who work with the clients. Uh, I'm not a clinician, but I do have a history of working in mental health as an advocate. Um, and so I just combine that with my coaching um, to provide my clients with support. How did you get started doing this work? Which which part? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think like, specifically the impact coaching. Right, right, right. Um, well, I tell people all the time that I've been doing this like pretty much my whole life. I've always mm. been super highly sensitive, super empathic, super in- intuitive, and I didn't know what to do with it. And um, people would just come to me for help. Right. Sometimes like I would be a child, literally a child and people are like, hey, can you read me or hey, can you help me navigate this problem? You know, my peers or even adults. I remember going through the school systems and teachers um, also like kind of helped like uh, leaning on me for support. Right. There was like kind of like this hidden curriculum throughout my whole life where like I was a functioning person, but also like people somehow noticed or knew that I had this glow about me um, and they knew to ask me certain questions. And I didn't always know what to do with that. I was highly overwhelmed. Um, Every day I was living somebody else's life, meaning uh, I was a teenager feeling pregnant. Sometimes if someone around me was pregnant, I was uh, sick when somebody around me was sick. I was uh, agitated or irritated when someone around me was irritated Um, across the world. If there were, if there was danger happening across the world, like maybe there was famine or earthquake was about to happen. I was feeling that. And I was just like, well, how am I supposed to live my individual life? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel everybody else in the world. And so like, it was deeply burdensome. It was deeply painful. Um, and on top of that, I was still trying to navigate school and college and, and make it out of my house uh, because of my mom who had severe schizophrenia and I had to basically take care of her. So it was just a lot. Okay. It was like a huge struggle, but still somehow people saw that I could be of support to them. And I did, I did that. I did that for a, lo- a long time. Um, and I realized that I wanted to do this um, as a part of my business, but I knew that in order to do this as a part of my business, I had to get my stuff together, <laughs> right? I had to learn how to navigate this stuff so that I can help other people. Um, and it wasn't until I learned how to do it myself that I knew that I was ready to teach other people. So um, are you still there? The, it, it cut off. Okay, cut off. Sorry, yes, I am. Yeah. Okay, okay, no worries. So um, 
I had to learn how to navigate this stuff to be able to teach other people. And so a large portion of that was learning how to take care of myself, take care of my health, take care of my body, take care of my spiritual health, how to implement the boundaries that I needed, not just physical boundaries, but spiritual boundaries, um, how to practice and hone my gifts, how to really tap into my intuition and use it for my work, how to use it uh, for myself, um, how to be able to uh, get aligned and receive messages from the universe, get aligned and receive mm-hmm. messages from spirit uh, that was filled with wisdom so that I knew A, how to support someone or A, how to support myself, how to navigate some type of illness, how to heal myself, right? I had like severe illness at one point that I had to learn how to heal, right? Um, and so one person can look at my life story and be like, wow, that sucks, right? <laughs> but I <laughs> but I look at my life story and I realize that I always knew that I was going to overcome it and I was going to do something really powerful with it. Um, and so long story short, that's how I got into this work by learning how to heal myself. I knew that I wanted to give this gift or this knowledge to somebody else. Netta, this is not necessarily where I want to take the conversation, but I I'm feeling this come up where I'm like, you know, your life story is what made you the experts that you are in the work that you do right now. And I'm curious to know, like if, if you ever felt any imposter syndrome um, or if you, if you were always really certain, really clear that this is the work that you were meant to do. Like, was there ever a time that you felt like I need extra credentials? I need to go to, mm-hmm. I need to go get a master's degree or a doctorate degree or, you know, any of those extra credentials that we, that we tend to want to add to our, <laughs> our list essentially mm-hmm. to feel like you could do this work. Mm-hmm. Yes. And no, yes. For the reason a different reason. Yes, because I actually was in a different field, right? Where I thought I was going to do comedy. <laughs> but all my jokes, I was funny. Like, I'm not going to lie. If I probably actually tried, because I would just go to comedy clubs and perform without writing jokes, and people would laugh, and then they would book me, and like I was doing really good. I felt like an imposter then, though, even though people kept telling me that I was good because I was like, but I'm not doing healing work. Right. And that was before I knew I was supposed to do this work. So I felt like no matter how funny someone thought that I was, I was like, but this doesn't feel like it doesn't feel right. Like, right. And I could have used that, you know, in a certain way, it just it didn't feel right. So that's when I felt like an imposter. In terms of did I feel like an imposter doing what I'm doing now? No, but I think it's because I have a deep, deep background in doing social justice and working for nonprofits. Right. Like I've seen communities of people who were disenfranchised, who were discriminated against, and they did not necessarily have the funding to be able to afford therapists or afford the education yeah. that I got at UCLA or to afford certain resources. What they needed was someone who could help them. That's all they needed was someone who can help them. And oftentimes the people that were helping them were the people who came from that same background, who unfortunately didn't have the same resources to go get to that level to have a doctorate or a master's. But because they came from that background and because they were on the ground, not just researching from you know behind their computers in school, but they were actually doing the groundwork and researching, they saw what these people really needed and they were able to per- produce that and give these people those types of um, resources and healing um, that they needed. So, um, and I also remember uh, talking to, because uh, when I was going to UCLA, I was working at a, a nonprofit simultaneously while working at a, you know, health justice and law and policy, um, what do you call it, internship with my professor who was a law professor, and I was basically their right hand. Um, it, it went out again. Okay. And I was, I was basically their, their right hand. Um, and I was able to get a large amount of education from them and a large amount of coaching from them. And they would sit down and they would look at my resume and they'd be like, Netta, like, 
you've done more than I have in the first 20 years of your life. And maybe I have this degree, but like you've done hella work and you've been successful at it. You know, like I've taken formerly incarcerated youth who were navigating different forms of trauma and I increased their college enrollment rate from 5% to 50% in the first four months of working with them. Right. And that only increased afterwards. So like, if it comes to like needing, needing a doctorate or a master's on top of my bachelor's degree, I don't think I need it because I get results. Right. Um, and also the work I do is specifically spiritual in nature. And, um, Mm -hmm. That all day, I can vouch all day that I went through a spiritual university. The spiritual university was the trauma that I had to face in my childhood, was the people who were coming to me and asking me for spiritual advice, was the wisdom, my spirit guides, my angels who were always by my side. Um, And also like maybe getting my ministry license and also maybe getting my Reiki practitioner's license as a teacher. Um, I think I'm pretty well versed in the stuff that I do, Um, but I understand that we live in this world that's like, looking at the paper only um and they want to invalidate anything that's not like some type of physical science if i can't build you a car like i'm not as valuable like my emotional labor is not as valuable to some people and that's unfortunate but that's the reason why people are falling apart yes i'm so glad and so thankful that you shared that there are a lot of there are a lot of people in my community who want to sort of like go to this next phase of their career and teach something so they've, they've like, they learned the hands-on practice. They've done that work for, you know, sometimes years, decades, and they've, they've mastered something that they want to share with more people. And they are feeling like, oh, but to do that, I'm going to have to go to college and start over again. Or I'm going to have to go through this uh, postgraduate program and make sure I get these appropriate credentials. And I'm like, actually, you just need to teach the thing that you're here to teach and just get to work doing that. Because in my opinion, we need more healers, not less healers. We need more people healing, not less people having access to healing of all kinds of any kind. So thank you. (laughs) And, and, and I think, and and I'm not one to say, don't go to college. I think people should go to college. Um, That's their calling. If, If I'm going to the doctor because I need surgery. I hope that you did pretty well in your, edu- your education. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, but I totally understand what you're saying as well. And I, and I definitely agree. So let's talk more about what being an empath is. Like, how would someone know that they are an empath? Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, usually what I find is people who come to me and they ask me that question, like, I feel like I'm an empath, but I don't know. There's two things. One thing is if they're asking me, they probably have some level of sensitivity. Maybe they're at least a highly sensitive person, which has a lot to do with like stimuli um, and not necessarily an empath. An empath adds a whole nother spiritual level to it. Um, but the first thing is, is that uh, people usually come across the label after they've felt burdened by something, right? So they think that being an empath means, um, I'm drained all the time. They think being an empath means I attract narcissists. They think being an empath means just, oh, I'm burdened because I'm too sensitive and my sensitivity is a bad thing. And I'm like, that's not like, that may be the experience of an empath who hasn't learned how to navigate it, 
but that itself is not the definition of being an empath. An empath is someone who simply can absorb the energy from outside sources, people, beings, plants, nature, pets, and absorb it into their own body. Um, and that's a spiritual process as well as a physical process, but mostly spiritual. And from that, that's why they're able to understand how other people are feeling or how the environment or how pets or plants are feeling. So they literally absorb that energy into their own body. They have a deeper form of intelligence to understand how to read that energy. Um, so the example would be, uh, my, my grandmother used to have really bad, um, arthritis. I remember, uh, we was talking on the phone. I was walking through the grocery store. She called me before she said anything. I felt this sharp pain in the back of my back, right? So back of my right side. And I was like, ow, is your back hurting? <laughs> and she says, how do you know? I was like, it's hurting on the bottom right corner, like a very sharp pain. And it's really bad. Like you do something about that. And she's like, oh, how'd you know that I am in a lot of pain? I was like, um, I was like, I'm over there. Like, I'm going to, go take you to get some help or something. Um, that's how it is, right? Um, and the reason why people feel like it's burdensome is because they don't know how to shield themselves from that, right? They don't know how mm -hmm. to navigate the road without like, why did I have to even feel that? Like, can I shield myself from that? And the answer is yes, right? Yeah. Versus a highly sensitive person who, the difference is a highly sensitive person um, requires outside stimuli to be able to understand how someone's feeling. The empath doesn't necessarily need outside stimuli. They can just understand from what's happening within them. Does that make sense? So like a highly sensitive person may be super hypervigilant to someone's facial expressions, right? Um, and that may, you know, cue, oh, this person's probably angry or whatever. Even if it's just like a little twitch where the average person may not notice that. An empath literally absorbed that energy. It's like, oh, you're angry. I don't even need to look at your face, right? So that's how you know you're angry. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> Did I answer your question? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, okay. So it brings up another question for me, like, um, especially differentiating between being highly sensitive and being an empath, because mm -hmm. as you described, um, your experience with your grandmother, that you could feel her back pain and you could describe the location of it. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm taking away from that, and, but I'm not sure that I'm on the same page with you is that, uh, okay. So for me, for example, if I'm around my kids, I have, um, three little ones. Mm -hmm. And if they're all upset about something, I feel super stressed out. <laughs> it's not just because like they're disagreeing with me or they want something that I don't want them to have right now. It's like, I feel emotionally drained by that, mm -hmm. but I'm not necessarily feeling what they're feeling. I'm not necessarily like crying because they're crying. So I think that's more in the realm of like a highly sensitive person than an empath. Yeah. And it sounds like it. And, and I, I don't think it's a diagnose, diagnosis yet. You might know this. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I I can't diagnose anyone. All I can do is like provide them yeah. clues to help understand. But it sounds like a little bit like it's on in the realm of like highly sensitive. But but even before that, um, it just sounds like you're tired. <laughs> like it doesn't necessarily sound <laughs> right. like you're an empath or a right. sensitive person. Like it just sounds like maybe you're overwhelmed in that moment. And that's why you felt that. And I also think that yeah. that happens too with empaths. Like they're overwhelmed or they're navigating some type of um, situation. Um, and they're like, oh, that means I'm an empath. It's like, no, you're probably just stressed out right now. Or maybe you have this trauma that you, not you, but maybe you have this trauma that you need to navigate or wherever the case may be. And and like yeah. that's why me and my clients, we do a lot of that work to like really peel back those layers. And we go, oh, they have unresolved wounding and like karmic cycles and they're stressed out and they're eating stuff that probably doesn't make them feel good. And like when we yeah. pull away those layers, like sometimes it comes down to, oh, you're an empath or you, know, you just was stressed out. <laughs> that's the thing that I'm that I'm wanting to like help people differentiate more um by using my own example with my kids because 
there's been times where I'm like, oh, am I an empath? But I, I don't have that thing that you have where like if someone um, cuts their finger and they call me on the phone, I'm like, um, wait, my finger is hurting. Did you, did something just happen to your finger? I don't mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like you're more so highly sensitive? Like, do you feel like, cause highly sensitive could be, um, cause you're relying on external clues. It could be like, you're literally since like, if someone's talking to you and they're angry, do you take that on like very sensitively? Like, are you sensitive oh, yeah. to their anger? Like do you do yes. not like it. Make it what, what oh, about yeah. that? What, what about that? Like, or how does it make you feel? Should I say? Yeah. It makes me feel honestly, I would say afraid, uh, or, or nervous, anxious. Yeah. It makes me feel anxious. Why do you think it makes you feel anxious? Do you feel like you don't have to answer the question on the surface, like all the way deeply, but do you think it makes you feel anxious because just anger has been something you didn't always know how to deal with and it's very unsafe for you? Or does it make you feel anxious because you feel like you're picking up on their anxiety or their rage or fear? Hmm. That's such an interesting question. I, I don't know that I know the answer to that. And it might depend on the situation. You know, in some situations, like, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling what I'm feeling around me. And in other situations, I'm like, I'm picking up on someone else's emotion and I'm like, I'm not equipped to handle that. Or I've had negative experiences in the past that I've not resolved with that kind of scenario. So Mm -hmm. maybe both. Yeah. You might be highly sensitive. And one thing, well, this is for me personally, and a lot of people tend to relate to this. Like I used to get uh, picked on when I was younger because I was quote unquote too sensitive. Right. Um, And what people didn't understand was it wasn't that I was sensitive, like, oh, if you um, if you yell at me, I'm crying because I'm too sensitive and I can't take the yelling. Or if you talk to me, I'm crying because I can't take what you're saying to me. The sensitivity was that I understand the undertones behind the vibration that you're sending me. Right. So, like, I'm not crying because you're yelling at me and I can't handle it. I'm crying Mm -hmm. because you're yelling at me and I know that you're deeply hurt. Right. Like maybe you not maybe you may not be able to uh, resolve your emotions in a certain way or, or um, be sensitive enough with yourself to actually understand the hurt that's going on. And so you're projecting it as rage, but I feel all that too. Um, and that may also be the experience of a highly sensitive person. I know it definitely is for an empath. Okay. Awesome. So I, th- I think that that will help people to have a better understanding because honestly, I feel like sometimes the I don't know that I want to say label mm-hmm. the, like, I feel like people sometimes too easily accept the label of empath um, to explain why they're tired or to explain why they're stressed out easily by the load of um, clients or patients that they manage. Right. When maybe that's not always the case and it's like, they're actually just tired. They need a break. They need to incorporate more rest into their regular routine. Mm-hmm. Fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So let's talk more about for someone that is an empath. Like, how do they begin to manage this? And you've mentioned it a couple of times that, mm-hmm. like, when you were a child, you didn't have the awareness of how to turn this on and off, right? So at some point, you developed that skill, and now I'm sure you you help others with it as well. Right. So what does that look like? What does managing it look like? Um, It looks like being really real with myself about 
my favorite word, which is being in integrity, right? And so the way I use integrity is making sure that I'm aligned with my true self, which means I think that my true self is, is healthy, is calm, is grounded, is aligned versus when I'm emotionally dysregulated, I'm more agitated, uh, more irritated. I may be in a fearful state or whatever the case may be. Like me being in integrity is like being aligned with like me when I'm in a calm, grounded, regulated state and I'm easily receptive to source, right? Like I'm, I'm just in that flowing space of like gratitude, right? And so how do I get to that space is the question and is the mm-hmm. question that we delve in with like my clients. Um, and again, it, sometimes it looks like maybe they're stressed out. Sometimes it looks like maybe they, they have wounding that they're navigating um, or trauma. And I don't do trauma work, but like, you know, we, we talk about it a little bit. Um, but if they do have deep trauma, we pair them with like a therapist to support them. Um, we talk about, um, I don't necessarily give them dietary advice, but sometimes it looks like, oh, I'm allergic to dairy and these types of foods. And I, every time I eat this, I feel really like unstable. Um, and so we take like a real dive and look at like the different things that are contributing to them feeling like dysregulated, if that makes sense. And like multiple senses of the word um, or, or of that, because um, a large part of how we're receiving stimuli is um, connected to what our body is physiologically doing, if that makes sense. So like what we find is that for many of the impacts that I work with specifically, when they feel like they're unsafe, whether that be they literally feel like there's a lion in the bushes and they're unsafe or somebody's like trying to get them or whether they ate something that didn't sit well with them and now their body's trying to fight off this attack. Um, that's when their body is most receptive to like pulling in all the stimuli. Um, because the empaths that I tend to work with grew up in environments of what's the type of trauma, like maybe an enmeshment trauma, right? An enmeshment trauma where they didn't know how to just be a kid because they weren't allowed to just be a kid. They were told that they had to be a kid, a parent, you know, um, they had to take care of um, their older siblings or had to take care of their parents because maybe their parents were disabled, whatever the case may be. And so they didn't really know how to set boundaries and they thought that it was their responsibility to take care of other people. Um, <clears throat> and their impact, their empathy and their highly, sens- highly sensitivity basically followed suit, but it came from an origin of feeling unsafe. Like if I don't take care of these people, then I'm in danger. If I don't take care of my parents, then they can't feed me, right? I'm in danger. And so what that looks like when they get older is they don't know where they fit in in the world. They also don't know what their role is. They don't know how to set boundaries. And they go back into that state of, I need to save people or protect people. So let me start absorbing all this energy so that I can protect them. So managing that looks like, again, finding out what's dysregulating them and then basically resolving that. Oh, this isn't, this is a really key thing. It's like a key thread that I see amongst my colleagues because there, there are many times we have a hard time separating, um, well, establishing boundaries really. Like it comes down to the cliche thing that we always say, like we care too much, you know, and then it's like care, not carry, but people really have a hard time with establishing those boundaries like creating those those lines where for example if you've mentioned food a a couple of times so a lot of chiropractors are interested in nutrition and they want to help their patients eat better because we know the effect on their nervous system and that affects everything else right so we might want someone to make change we give them a handout in the office and then they don't do that Mm -hmm. and then we're like 
Why? But if you only understood how much different your whole life would be if you would just do this thing <laughs> and how much better everything would be for you, you know, and like we're caring so much more than that person is actually caring about making that change. I think that's a part of also what leads people to feeling stressed out and burned out and just tired because you, they're carrying all of that. What do you, I'm sorry, it's a lot of the background, but um, what do you do when people don't comply to like treatment plans or certain diets? That's going to vary from practitioner to practitioner big time, because in some offices and some practices, um, a chiropractor, for example, would create a treatment plan for a patient at the onset of care, like their first or second visit. And if the patient doesn't want to follow that treatment plan, then they would refer that patient to another practice, like mm. someplace where you can kind of dictate your care more. And in other offices, the, the, the treatment plan, if you will, is like from visit to visit, you're deciding what's next. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of variance. Right, right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, next, let's, let's talk to the person who like who is the empath knows that that's them and is struggling with this. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just kind of coming to this awareness that um, this is why they always feel everybody's stuff and they don't know what to, what to do with it. What, like what, where would you direct that person to go? Obviously you offer support for people in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. What kinds of, what kinds of things would they expect to, to do or to learn or implement as they start to take care of themselves so that they are able to still continue taking care of other people too? If they're working with me specifically or in general, what could they do? Can we do both? Okay. Um, I guess it's kind of the same thing, right? Um, and so for me, it's just like, if you need support to do this, right? then come to me but like so we look at like the four different bodies that we have right we have a mental body an emotional body a physical body and a spiritual body um and so again understanding that at a baseline your empathy just means that you have a deeper understanding of how people are feeling but that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to dysregulate you that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to overburden you you don't have to keep pulling in all this overwhelming amount of energy and that you can set certain boundaries in order to um have an understanding of how someone's feeling but you don't necessarily have to be overburdened by it like you don't have to like take in a whole bunch of it right like i, I can understand like this person's sad but like i don't i'm not necessarily feeling their sadness i'm not super attached to them where i'm taking it on as my own right yeah. So that's like the baseline understanding. And it's just like how we do that. So like mine, mind body would be uh, what's going on in your mental state that makes you feel this way. Is it like belief systems, thinking patterns? Is it certain like mental health concerns that you need to address with a therapist or whatever the case may be like taking a mental body assessment and understanding what are these points of access for you to be absorbing this energy right and we go through that with the emotional body like what's going on with you emotionally right um what's contributing to that we look at what's happening to you physically um what's contributing to that like are you taking care of your physical body are you do you need exercise like maybe does that mean do you need to go on walks um to basically relieve anxiety or to get your body moving um do you need to do some type of movement like yoga um does it again mean looking at how you're eating whatever the case may be that could be physically dysregulating you 
Um, I did mind, emotions, body, and then spiritually, what's happening uh, spiritually. Do you have any spiritual blocks that are blocking you off from having access to source where you can be taking in that wisdom? Uh, do you need to, um, navigate working through your chakra areas, right? Because chakras are basically points of energetic intelligence. So if you imagine like each chakra as being its little brain, and a lot of times when people get sick, for example, maybe in their stomach, it could be because they have physical stomach issues, but it could be a block in their stomach chakra. Um, and mm-hmm. because they're not allowing themselves to access that intelligence because the brain is blocked, they don't know what to do, but then they clear that block and they realize like, oh, I just received wisdom on what I needed to do in that area. Right. Um, so we look at those different, those four different bodies and figure out like what, where those blocks are and basically how to clear them. And then once we clear them, then that person is more receptive to knowledge and it's easier for them to then feel more safe and their body's not pulling in all this junk. I think you hit the key word on the head there when you said safe, like it's, mm-hmm. it's really about bringing in whatever it is that you need to bring in so that you can feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why empath struggles because it doesn't feel safe to never know what you're going to be feeling to never know like how you're going to perceive your environment right words it doesn't feel safe when you don't know like what's going to happen but you can feel empowered um which can also add a layer of safety like if i if i feel like the road is out to get me and the world's not a safe space because like i'm just overwhelmed like all this stuff is happening to me um then i'm not going to feel safe but then if I start looking at the world, for example, this is just an example. If I start looking at the world, like my playground, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is play. And like these like little scrapes on my knees or me falling off the slide or something is something, a lesson. It's something I can grow from. Right. Um, and I know that there's a pathway for me to grow. I know it doesn't, I know that I don't always have to scrape my knee next time I know what to do. So I don't scrape my knee. Right. Just even that as an example, a shift in mindset can really make you go from feeling like the world is unsafe to the world is actually a safe space for me to just play and live my life out fully. Um, and that alone, like in your mindset can really make you start to feel a little bit safe. And then psychologically, we know what play is. It's like a mixture of safety and danger. Um, and it allows your body, allows yourself to kind of expand a little bit outside of your, your boundaries um, in order to um, take that up. Okay. I have two more questions for you. <laughs> so these are, these are easy ones, hopefully. Um, the next one is how would someone know when they need to, they, when they need support mm. as an empath? Uh, when it's how do you what's what do they say in like therapy or if it's becoming overwhelming to where you can't deal with your your daily life or something like what the same thing you probably would tell someone um if depression is becoming an issue or anxiety like when anxiety becomes an issue if it's becoming so overwhelming that they can't go on with like their daily life without this like being over their head right it's just harder to do things in ways that they used to be able to do things um yeah i wish there was a more a better way for me to say that, but it's not coming to me, maybe because I just woke up like 30 minutes ago. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if it's if it's coming so, becoming so overwhelming that like daily activities is like a little bit too hard for you to do. You know, I have this sort of like it, it's not just me. I think a lot of us feel this way. Like we have this sort of pie in the sky dream that people will seek support before they get to the point where they're like, they can't 
manage their day-to-day life anymore. Um, and yet that just doesn't seem to be what like our human nature is. Our human right. nature is that when we feel something really painful, that's when we're motivated to do something different. Like we don't have the motivation. It's not, it's not, I'm not even saying at all that it's about being lazy because I think lazy is often labeled as like the opposite of being motivated. I'm not talking about that. It's like, we, we just don't have this intrinsic drive to make behavior changes and do something different until things really suck. Mm. You think when it comes to like everything or just specifically when it comes to mental health? I would say pretty much everything. Mm. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I was just thinking, you know, um, someone, someone could wait until like their day to day is not happening, right? They're not able to manage the day to day. They're not functioning the way that they used to, but ideally we'd be looking for support. We'd we'd be receiving support before we get to that point. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my last question for you is I can can respond to that though, really quickly, if you don't mind. Yes, please do. Um, Yes. So I was I know you were talking about everything, but I was thinking specifically about mental health or when it comes to spiritual health, even, um, what did this guy, this, it was like a famous quote where he said, like, he thinks mental health is a pandemic or epidemic or something along the lines that mental health is a worldwide issue, right? It's a worldwide, um, problem. Um, and I think about like the social systems today and like what's prioritized versus what's not prioritized, right? It's prioritized for you to go to work and work your ass off to get this American dream and success looks like work, 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 work. Um, and like a lot of these systems don't necessarily support or encourage, nor do they provide space for people to actually ask themselves, Oh, how am I feeling today? (laughs) Am I stressed out? Um, if anything, like that grind culture is like encouraged, like that's, notable right like yes so like I think there's just it's so easy to not pay attention to how we're doing mental health wise it's so easy to not pay attention to like how we're doing spiritually because of the culture and because of the way that the society is designed so like if anything why do people like not wait wait until like it gets like really bad that's probably why because they're like oh shit like Mm. I can't go to work (laughs) yeah thank you for saying that because I'm a advocate for the dismantling of hustle culture (laughs) (laughs) and um and it wasn't even coming to my mind that that's that's a key component to all of this as well Mm -hmm. okay ready for the last question Mm -hmm. if people want to learn more about you and about the work that you do where's the best place for them to to find you or connect with you currently um my website and my instagram um so if you find my instagram which is netta the official n-d-a the official o-f-f-i-c-a-l um that's my instagram handle you can follow me you can shoot me a dm if you have any questions and then my website is netta the um you can sign up for my newsletter i'm also offering a course course that i'm launching um in a couple weeks um and yeah, I also have coaching services there as well. So my website and my Instagram. Awesome. And um, tell me more about your course. What will it What will it be about? And who is it for? So my course was, my goal was to make 
my one-on-one coaching more accessible to more people. So for one, it's a course. So it's not me live coaching you one-on-one. Um, that makes it a little bit more affordable. Um, and also it's like an introductory course for people who just want to get the basics of how to clear up the, the different blocks in their body. Again, those four bodies, mind, um, physical, spiritual, emotional, um, to start building in what they need to um, feel more equipped to deal with the energy they're absorbing. Awesome. Okay. So I'm assuming that people can learn more about that in both of those places, your website and your Instagram as well. Absolutely. Your Instagram is like really fun and engaging. So I, I think it's a great place for people to connect with you. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate you being here and willing to give and share your knowledge, your expertise, because as I said a couple of times already now, um, this is a topic that a lot of people struggle with. And um, I, I just want to, you know, give as much as I can to help people not have to suffer. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you for having me. Do you want to make more money without squeezing more patients or clients onto your schedule? If that's you, be sure to take my free class. In it, you'll learn how to bring leveraged income into your practice so you can work less, live more, and help more people than ever before. You can get signed up by going to drdanielleaton.com and click free.